Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to your Thursday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Menace, Sean McIndoo with you on this episode of the pod. We're going to uh, bounce around the NHL a little bit. Uh, look at Tony D'Angelo and the spearing suspension. Time to worry about the Winnipeg Jets. Seattle Kraken bobblehead giveaway. We got a ton, and I mean a ton of emails, uh, a couple of voicemail, a voicemail to get to. Jesse Granger for Granger Things. We're going to talk Jonathan Quick with him. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, Sean, I, I need to know right off the bat. Has Down Goes Brown gone soft on us? Oh, here? boy. Uh, here we go. Boy, here we go. So we got to get to the bottom of this because – for weeks, if not months, if not years. Mm-hmm. Down goes Brown. Sean McIndoo is the guy banging the drum. We need more trades. More trades. More yeah. trades. We got to be like the NBA. More trades. More trades. More trades. And then, this week, he writes the column of, ah, maybe we're not looking at the real toll in the price of trades on the impact on friends and family and all this stuff. So I ask you, what happened here? What happened? Maybe maybe I have gone soft. I don't know. This is you like the timing, right? I, I wait till after the deadline to uh, to throw cold yeah. water on the whole thing after we've collectively done four thousand trade posts in the last few weeks. Uh, look, like I say in the piece, this is not me making an argument. This is not me saying, "Hey, um, you know, I I I've got an answer for you, and I'm going to talk you into it." This this is me asking a question, and it's it's me working through. Uh, this, this nagging doubt that I've had, uh, like you say, for years, I've been banging the drum for, you know, as a fan, I love trades. You want to talk trades. I'll, I'll talk to you all day long. I will talk to you about old trades. I'll talk to you about stuff that could happen next week. I'll talk your ear off. I, I, I love it. I think it's a huge part of the entertainment, uh, package. And all the time I've got this kind of just nagging doubt in the back of my head going, yeah, but man, this has got to be rough on the players like this has got to be real terrible i mean you and i are both you know we we got families and you know imagine if you just got a phone call one day going hey man you you work in a different country now that's it get on it there's a car on its way to your place you're getting on a plane tonight you're expected to be at work at your new job tomorrow uh figure out if the wife and the kids are coming with you figure out if the you know the spouse has got to leave their job the kids got to quit school say goodbye to all their friends but you're you're gone it would be, uh, you know, it would be an awful scenario at the best of times, let alone, you know, who knows what else these guys are dealing with. You know, th- th- this is where we've we've been far more over the years. We've, we've learned far more about mental health. And, you know, we know that some of the players are going through that stuff. You know, some could be going through, could be tough marriages. Your kid could be having trouble in school. Maybe you got, you know, a parent who's, who's going through something nearby. Uh, it just feels... Like as something to, you know, that, that we're all celebrating, you oh, know, this is great and it's so much fun. Uh, and it doesn't feel very fun for the players necessarily. Obviously, in some cases, a trade works out great. Some players want to be traded, so you know, they want to go get a fresh start, a new opportunity somewhere. Um, but in a lot of cases, they don't. We've seen guys break down over getting the news that they've been traded. We've seen, guy, you know, Jonathan Quick being an example of a guy who was very, you know, 
he was devastated by uh, what happened last week. We saw Dylan Larkin talking about, you know, seeing his friends get traded and, you know, he's getting choked up. And there's just this part of me that's, uh, you know, all along, whenever I write this stuff, has been kind of thinking like, am I on the right side of this one? And, and the way I think about it is 20 years from now, are we going to look back and say, man, I can't believe we treated the players like that. Man, I can't believe we treated trades like this great fun thing. And as soon as I start having that thought, the comparison I make is to the era that you and I grew up in with the fighting and the big hits and the concussions and guys, you know, quote unquote, getting their bell rung and then getting thrown right back out there. We all cheered and we all thought it was just great until years later, we found out the toll that it was taking. Uh, and there's that part of me that's like, you know, am I am I going down the same road again? Because I love the fights. I loved all that stuff. I was Don Cherry acolyte from from day one. Uh, and it was it was tough for me to come around and realize, like, wait a second, this was this was maybe no good. Um, so I, I'm just kind of putting the question out there and I can already anticipate some of the answers. I, I said this in the piece, uh, you know, there's there's probably people yelling at their device right now. Um you know, some of these, some of these responses to here's, here's why trading is fine. Okay. It's been part of the game forever. These guys know what they signed up for. Uh, yeah, it stinks, but it's part of the job and it's a job. These guys get paid millions of dollars for. So you know what? doesn't have to be perfect. And if, if any of them really don't like it, nobody's stopping them from going and getting a different job somewhere else. Don't have to be a pro hockey player. Don't have to be an NHL player. You can go get, go get a different job if you really don't like it. But in the meantime, you want to make millions of dollars. This is part of the job. And by the way, you make millions of dollars because it's an entertainment league. And this stuff is part of the entertainment package. And, and so everybody should be fine with it. I think those are all really good arguments. The problem is those are all exactly the same arguments we made 20 years ago in defense of fighting and concussions and headshots and injuries and all of that stuff. It's exactly the same conversation. So I just sort of put it out to the readership saying like, you know, basically saying, convince me I'm wrong. Cause I want to keep, I want to keep liking this stuff. I want to keep writing about it. I want to, you know, all of that stuff. It's a huge part of, of my experience as a hockey fan. I want to do all that. So please give me a good argument. Talk me out of this, this kind of nagging doubt I have. And it, it spawned a really good discussion. There's, there's a ton of good stuff in the comments. Um, you know, some, some people agreeing with me, some people pushing back, uh, some people calling me a snowflake as you, uh, you know, as you would expect, but, um, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I'm not sure anyone really has talked me out of it yet though. Uh, I would love it if you could, uh, because this is, like I say, I know, I don't know what side I should be on. I know what side I want to be on. Um, it's just getting tougher for me to stay there. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it was a great call. Look, it's, it's something we don't talk about enough. Like in the NHL, we sell, maybe celebrate is not the right word, but we certainly have more attention and emphasis on the trade deadline than the other three sports, right? Like like NFL, you'd be hard-pressed to even ask an NFL fan, hey, when's the trade deadline? You yeah. wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. It's only like, the last few years it's become anything in the NFL. It's it, But realistically, hockey's the one of the big four sports where we kind of, we almost want players to get traded. And it's different, right? It's different mm -hmm. than, than, the NBA does it a little bit to some extent, uh, but but certainly I think, we as fans seem to treat the players like commodities a little bit more in hockey. Uh, where, oh, like, like, I guess my point is, in in other sports, do you see trade bait boards? Do yeah. you? I mean, I I think you do to some extent, and and I should make that point that this is not. I'm not coming at this saying here's a hockey problem, uh, right? And and that is, as I say in the column, that's maybe the key difference between the fighting. That when it was the fighting stuff, hockey was on an island. We were the only sport that that had this. You had the big hits in football, but we were the only sport that celebrated this aspect of our game in the same way. And and whereas you know you do see it, and you know baseball trade deadlines big deal. The NBA, you know, we saw some some real big ones. But you know it's you're right. I mean the way that we talk about the players sometimes is you know you, you'll see a trade and that three players and two draft picks, and we'll say well they got five assets. Like that's it. You're an asset now. You're, you know you're you're not a player or even a person. You're just an asset. Um, and look, I get that there is an element of this where you're like, hey, uh, these guys do get really well paid for this job. 
And they're playing a game. They're living out their childhood dream. It's a pretty good setup, even when you factor this stuff in. And look, I do know also there's jobs out there where people do get that phone call and they do get told, hey, pick up, you're, you're moving. You know, anyone who's, you know, been in or been around a military family knows what that's like. There's other jobs that are, that are like that. Um, you know, uh, I, when, when I was a kid, you know, my dad had to move around. That was, uh, that was part of it. Um, I, I'm not convinced though, that saying like, well, it's bad for some people, so it can be bad for these other people is, is necessarily the answer. And I don't know what the answer is. The answer isn't we ban trades because like I said, a lot of times these, these trades work out great for players. A lot of times the players welcome them. We see players who have no trade clauses, wave them all the time because they want to go somewhere else either to chase a championship, get a better opportunity, you know, play in a different spot or for different uh, different coach. There's all sorts of reasons. I just can't get over that, you know, that situation where, you know, you, you we're, we're understanding now these, these just because you're a pro athlete, you're not Superman. You're not, you know, your, your life isn't perfect and who knows what they're dealing with. And then suddenly you just look at your phone and it's, it's the GM who's never called you before. And, you know, in some cases it's, yeah, we're sorry, your entire life has been disrupted because we wanted a fifth round draft pick. That's it. That's, that's the reason. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that more and more as I've been writing about this, I just, it's this little doubt in the back of my head. And that's what it is. It's a little doubt. It's not me saying, you know what, this is, this is awful. Cause I would, I wouldn't be writing about it if, if I thought it was awful, if I, but I just, I can put myself back 20 years ago when people were starting to say like, Hey man, look at these players getting their concussions. And you just go, Hey, part of the game, you don't want to get hit, go play tennis. This is, this is, this is part of what we do. And that hasn't aged well. It hasn't held up well. So I, I just, I wonder 20 years from now, if, if there's some, you know, different rules in place, are we going to look back at, uh, at this era and go, man, what were we thinking? The, you know, did, did nobody think that maybe this wasn't a good thing for the players? And, and if, if so, why didn't we care? You know what? I think the bigger issue would be like, if, if we're strictly talking about player rights as, you know, employees and having a little bit more control, I think the bigger question is about the amateur draft. Yep, and that—that's the bigger question. I think. Look, I think uh, the no trade clauses that are in—you you, know—what I think is interesting is no trade clauses. I think have evolved into now the player almost gets to handpick his destination. Like if if things don't work out and he's got a no trade clause, he's like, okay, I'll waive it, but only to go to here or to there. Mm-hmm. Like look at look at Patrick Kane. He, yep. he kind of handcuffed Chicago. So it's a two way street here, right? It, it it's not just these players are. Uh, you know, poor players, like there, there's another side to it, which is a lot of times the no trade clause morphs into, I'm just going to p- handpick my next destination. And it, you know, there, there's an and, argument and that, to be and, made. That, and that handcuffs a team, but yeah, how many of us could handpick our next job, right? I mean, you know, maybe you, you're not handpick it in the sense that you can no, I know, pick any I, job, I, but how many of us can say like, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm based in Ottawa. Yeah, there's some writing jobs in Toronto. Maybe I'd be better off going and uh, getting one of those jobs, but it's up to me. I I get to choose that. I don't just get a phone call saying, "Yeah, that's that's where you go now." Sorry, pull your kids out of school. You know, I'll tell them to say goodbye to their best friend. They don't uh, they don't live here anymore. It's uh, you know, it is tough. And and you're right. We saw it with Patrick Kane. It's kind of you know, this is a guy who did have that control. You know, this is a guy who didn't have to worry about getting that call um, because he had all that control and he had earned that. Uh, he added into his contract. I know some people are saying, "Hey, the guys in the NHL, you can have a no trade clause if if you if you're really if this is so awful if you know if this this big overly dramatic scene that Sean's painting here is is really that big a problem. Just negotiate a no trade clause. Give up some of your money if that's what it takes to get it done. Um, not every player in the NHL is eligible for that, but the the veterans are. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's the answer. But you know, Patrick Kane." Didn't have to worry about that. And yet when push came to shove, he was willing to say, yeah, go, go ahead and trade me. I'll, I will uproot everything. I'll go to New York and, uh, um, you know, the, I, I can't imagine anybody would say there should be no trades, uh, at all because a lot of times they work out great. It's just a question of the control and, and that scenario for that player and their family and the people around them, um, who, uh, you know, they, the, the, this isn't the dream they chose. This is this is something that they're 
they're in whether they want to or not. But there's far more safeguards in place for players. If you go back even 1950s and 60s before the, the there was a players association, right? Players really truly were assets and commodities that could be moved yep. on the whim. Uh, heck, in in you know pre-1967, the Montreal Canadiens could essentially just pluck any good player from uh, the province of Quebec and say like, hey, by the way, you're playing for us. Like you mm-hmm. really didn't have a choice. Uh, I think there's been enough, like, you know what? I think I come down on this where um, this stuff is collectively bargained. Uh, I believe that it's moved towards uh, protecting the players a little bit more in that regard so that mm-hmm. the, the elite players do have no trade protection. And like I said, sometimes it morphs maybe too far in the other direction. I don't think 20 years from now we'll look back and and have embarrassment and think like, I can't believe that we treated players like that. Um I don't think so. I, I think, um, if anything, I look back 30 years ago now and think players have it a lot better now. They have it a they lot do. better now. Uh, go, go back to the early 90s when you would wake up and all of a sudden, hey, Pierre Durjan got traded. Like, the guy had no say in it, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, I, I think we've moved far enough into the middle ground where I'm happy vis-a-vis where we were 25 years ago, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, that's... That that's fair, and you know certainly, um, you know, again, there there is a part of me that says, yeah, in the '90s we could look back at the Broad Street Bullies in the '70s and go, well, it's not crazy like that anymore. Nobody's going into the stands, so you know, so what if you guys want to pair off and have a fight? Yeah, but you're right, it has gotten better. Um, and you said, you know, some of this is collective bargaining, so it's it's up to the players. You know, it's it's not guys like me crying about it. If it's a issue for the players. Go ahead and bargain something in, give up something to get something if it's important to you, or if it's not, then, uh, you know, I I guess we go with it. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the draft, and that's an interesting one, because I know a lot of people have, over the years, I'm hearing more and more, you hear people say, like, why do we have a draft? Why do we have a guy like, you know, Connor Bedard, who, based on some ping pong balls, um, he might get to go play for his hometown team in Vancouver, he might get to go play in Montreal and be, you know, arguably... The, the second or third biggest star in the in the entire country, uh, or he might go to Arizona and he might play in front of a few thousand people in, in a college arena. Um, this is something that's going to determine a huge chunk of his life, a huge chunk of his income, his opportunity, you know, everything he can do. And it's just going to come down to ping pong balls and uh, some people getting together in a room and saying, I want that guy. Um, obviously, as soon as you say that, fans of teams like Arizona say, well, what's the alternative? Where are we getting players, right? I mean, it can't be a free-for-all. Everybody would just sign with the Rangers. they sign with the Leafs. They'd go to Chicago or whatever it is. Um, you know, what's the alternative? And a lot of people have put a lot of thought into that and said, here are some of the ways we could do this um, rather than just purely having uh, a draft. But you're right. I mean, right from the very beginning, you come in, you are, um, you're drafted. That team's going to own your rights for seven or eight years um, at least. Um if you sign a contract, if you get an extension, you're locked into that contract, which is one thing where maybe it's been a step back from 20 or 30 years ago where we, you know, players had more control. They could say, I don't, you know, I, I want my contract torn up. I want something new. I want to force a move. Um, you know, that you can't really do that anymore. You're, you're sort of locked in. Again, I, I get it. You know, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this on your way to go work construction, you're, you're just saying, oh, you pass me the Kleenex. I'm just, I'm sobbing for these, t- you know, these players who are locked into their uh, job where they make millions of dollars and they get the summers off and, and all of this stuff. I get it. I, you know, and I'm not saying there's not bigger issues out there, um, but I don't write about those bigger issues. I write about hockey. So I'm trying to come at it from, from that angle. And, and I think two things can be true. I think players can be um, extremely well compensated, overly compensated for what they do, but that doesn't serve as a uh, you know, shield for human emotions. I, I know there's a lot of people like, oh, give me $3 million and you won't hear me complain. I bet you if you made $3 million, you'd still complain or there'd, there'd still be issues in your life. Like money, the point of this is money doesn't mean happiness, right? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really doesn't uh, Doesn't uh, provide a shield from regular human emotions. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, but it would be, it, it would be a lot. Of, sure, your life would be easier, but but two things can be true. You could be very well compensated and you could still have, Issues, but anyway, it's it's a great point. We'd love to hear from. I mean, listen, you you you've, uh, the comment section was filled with uh, with with feedback, and it was great. Like you said, there was uh, lots in there, but we'd love to hear from 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 people as well. You can hit us but, up, 
And and I'd love to hear people, you know, we, we joke on the show that the way to get your email read is to start off by telling me I'm right, um, which which usually is the case. But I, I, I got no problem with somebody who wants to tell me I'm wrong. Like, make make the argument. Lay it out yeah. for me why this is why this is okay, why I don't have to worry. Uh, and I can go back to, you know, uh, geez, two weeks ago, I was inventing magic draft picks to get more trades. Yeah, where's now, that, where's you know, that suddenly, showing? Where's that I, you funny, know what? creative, it's, Sean? I, this I, is I mean, the somber. I, I don't necessarily... And this is maybe me really threading a needle to, to you know, for my own benefit. I don't necessarily see as much comp because I mean, as you can imagine, as soon as I wrote this column, a lot of the people in the comments are like, "Hey, is this you?" And it's you know some post from you know, two weeks ago or two years ago, and it's like you know, I, I do think you can hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. Yes, um, maybe you know, maybe this trading is no good, and we shouldn't have it the way that we have it. But if we are going to have it the way we have it, here's what it could look like. And 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 I will say the last thing I'll say is the one argument that I do kind of reject out of hand that I've I've heard a few variations of is this idea that well uh, maybe the thing is you guys in the media need to stop making such a big deal out of this. Stop doing the all day trade deadlines. Stop being you know asking the players about this all the time. Look, if it's part of the game, we got to cover it. You know, just like it, it was never the answer that. Oh, you know, stop showing the highlights of the the fights and the injuries, and you know, no, no, it's 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 not about the media just ignoring something, and then you know, because you know that that doesn't help. I mean, the the I, I'm sure having a microphone stuck in your face doesn't make a situation any better, but you know, if if all it is is hey, Sean, stop writing about this, stop talking about it on the podcast, stop doing the eight hour trade deadline shows, um, I don't think that's that's where the answer is. But I'd love to hear what it is. And and this is maybe the one time where if somebody wants to lead off the email with Sean, you're wrong. Uh, maybe you got a chance of still still making the cut. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com if you do want to hit us up with an email. All right. Uh, on to a couple of, uh, let's call them less consequential, more fun things. Seattle Kraken have a bobblehead giveaway Thursday night. They're taking on Ottawa. And the bobblehead is of Chris Tanev with the blank stare. Everyone knows the Chris mm-hmm. Tanev face, the kind of, Looks like he just walked into a haunted house or whatever. Like whatever it is, he's shocked. First of all, do you like this idea? I, I mean, I like it well enough. I've 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 never been a bobblehead guy or a collectible guy, but if you are, yeah, go ahead and have some fun with it. Man, we have melted this this photograph in the hockey world for, for yeah, years, haven't it, we? God, God love us, man. We get we are so desperate for point? personality. Oh, it's I mean, yeah, we're so desperate for personality that it, the littlest thing happens. And we just uh, we fall all over ourselves, and uh, but hey, that's the you throw a starving man a crust of bread. He's gonna he's gonna savor it. And this is uh, we don't we don't get a lot of personality from these guys. So uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, make the most of it. I guess uh, while uh, uh, while you can. Yeah, the tan of bobblehead night goes tonight. Um, I, I heard you just, you just said you're not a collectible guy. I guarantee somewhere in your home or your parents' home, there's a box of 1990-91 pro set cards that 100%. says otherwise. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the upper deck, man. I was convinced it's, uh, I've got like three of those Ken Griffey cards that I'm, uh, I was convinced that was my retirement it's, fund. University, uh, your kid's university is coming up. The game, oh the, man, the I learned Griffey, a tough uh, lesson about supply and demand back then. Yeah. I was like, no dad, you don't get it. Mickey Mantle's worth $20,000. No, and no, this no. guy, he's like, yeah. Junior, card number right, one. So. Yeah. This is it. And I'm pretty Remember, sure I'm going to get one because they made 40 million of the things. And oh, yeah. wait a second. Hold on. You yeah, get your, no, uh, I, I, I was a card guy for a long time and I got a few other things, but uh, I, I don't uh, I don't know that I own a, a bobblehead. Maybe a couple. You know what I'd love to know is like, uh, <laughs> do you remember Beckett Magazine? With the yes, <laughs> Absolutely. Week, the- the prices would come up. You'd you'd, you'd yeah. race to it. It'd be like the little arrows going up. Little arrow. Like Ten cents. Five cents to seven cents. All right. Yeah. What do I do with this information? I have yeah. no idea. Absolutely early, no idea. Early day but traders. You'd go into that little yeah. card shop and just uh, you know, and you'd you'd go look at the, like the all the cards they had on display. Like you were going to get a bargain from the guy who runs the card shop. Like he's just going to slip some uh, uh, yeah. some some old card in there for for two bucks. But uh, oh yeah, no, I. Uh, I was uh, I was all over that stuff back in the day, but uh, not not anymore. Now, now I'm wondering. Okay, so they're doing the tan of uh, blank face bobblehead night in Seattle on Thursday. Like, 
Are there any other signature poses or looks or things in the NHL sphere that a team could do a mm. bobblehead? Like I was thinking, of, remember McDavid in that picture of the two people at the airport? Where he, <laughs> oh, like, yes. could, could they make a yes. bobblehead out of that? That like, would be great. I would. That would be good. Right? I would get all three of those and just yeah. put them next to each other. Uh, yeah, you could uh, do that one for sure. The the blank stare of uh, Connor McDavid, McDavid staring off those, into the middle distance. Two, the, the 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 couple with him. Uh, yep. You know, there's there's got to be some. I also thought about this. Would there ever be value if the Avalanche did a Patrick Waugh bobblehead night where he had like two Stanley Cup rings, kinda, <laughs> like he's putting his fingers, he's plugging yep. them in his ears. Yeah, like, that would be a good one. Right? And you could do I, that. I feel some, like there's some there's some potential here. There, you could have done that. I. How about we get uh, uh, the next time that uh, Anaheim hosts Arizona, we get the the Trevor Zegris with a smirk. The, the smirking it up bobblehead and uh, yes. just see if that'll really drive the Arizona guys nuts. The, the Coyotes I feel broadcast like, team. I know it's normally a player thing, but there's got to be like, they must have already done like the Rod Brindamore, like super angry, intense uh, bobblehead. Like, I feel like, I feel like that's got to be there. That has to have been done already. Uh, I know this is going to sound crazy that I can't remember. And I think it was now, who, oh man, who, who was the coach or, who threw the? Was it Tortorella who threw the water bottle? And got there been a few, but Tortorella was one. Yeah, Tortorella. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm wondering, like, is there anybody else who's th- Pierre Dorian threw the cup the one time that's turned into that's a right. major yes. meme? Yeah, and like you could get like an action shot of you know Pierre Dorian throwing and, the and, cup. You know, speaking of the Senators, I feel like both both them and Florida, you do you you get the bobblehead, but you also got to like loosen the jaw, and and you just get the Kachuk brothers, and you just give it one, and it, it's just the mouth flapping the entire time. Have a time. little mouth guard hanging off the end and just, just you know, like, oh, yeah, I give it to it, – it'd be just like the real Kachuk brothers. You give it one little shove and the mouth never stops for the next two <laughs> hours. It's just, you know, just hey. running constantly on you. I think that would – uh, that could be a good one. Okay. The Kachuk brothers perpetual motion uh, machine. Yeah. Perpetual <laughs> – you're sitting there going, why is it, why is it not stopped? It's been, it's been six months now. Shouldn't this thing have slowed down? Nope. Yeah. Not at uh, all. Okay. Tampa Bay Lightning. We were a little bit concerned about, boy, this team looks lost. They need something to galvanize them, Sean. Something to bring the Lightning together. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo has entered the chat. D'Angelo spears Corey Perry in the uh, you-know-where. Gets a two-game suspension. The Lightning dogpile D'Angelo. Okay, question number one. Uh, Two-game suspension for doing what he did. Too light, just right, not enough. I think I think I'm okay because I think spearing a guy right in the pills should be a three game suspension, and then you get a one game discount if it's Corey Perry. I feel like that's that's okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> the Corey, yeah, like it, it is. I mean, Corey because Corey is, Perry, is, look, is, I mean, Corey Perry's a, some he's a good player, but I guarantee he speared somebody in that game at some point that we just didn't see. Maybe it wasn't on the ice. Maybe it was like one of the, I don't know, the Zamboni driver or something on the way out to the ice. But he got somebody. He did something. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I'll give a little bit of a discount on that one. Okay. And, and do you think that's something that'll, like like Tampa was completely lost on the weekend. Tor, uh, Tortorella. John Cooper uh, benched, uh, you know, his his star players in the third period of that game against Buffalo. They turned around, they got whacked 6 nothing by Carolina. We were like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with the Lightning? That type of game, something that can maybe snap them into focus here, kind of rally them together. I know they won the game anyway, but are you worried it, about the Lightning? I no, I was never worried about the Lightning because um, look, it's it's the Lightning, uh, and, and you know I'm not trying to be you know be a smart aleck here, but th- this this team has been to the conference final three years in a row. They uh, they know when to turn it on and when not to. Uh, and I know we we all love the idea that these hockey players, these machines, just you know, full effort, eighty two nights a year. Uh, but that's not how it goes. They're, you're always going to have a few, you know, you're, you're going to have some some bad streaks, no matter what. Just you know, the puck just doesn't bounce your way. Um, you're going to have some some times where things aren't hitting on all cylinders. And and look, the the Lightning are locked in pretty much. We know who they're playing in the first round. We know they're making the playoffs. We we don't know for sure that they're going to start on the road, but, but you know that's getting close to uh, to being something we know. It's uh, it's a situation where I, I'm not I'm not getting I'm not falling into this this uh, 
trap of thinking that uh, that they're in any trouble. If it if it went three four weeks, maybe. Um, but uh, I, every team's going to go through some stretches. Even the Bruins lost four out of five at one point this year. Uh, now, could this be the thing that galvanizes and turns it around? I don't know that beating the Philadelphia Flyers uh, it should be the thing that turns your season around. But you know what? This is one of those things. If you believe it, it can become true. If if these players, if they go on a bit of a win streak and they look back and say that was the turning point, then that's the turning point. Whether it's true or not, it's uh, you know, it's it's not it's not about what did or didn't uh, happen. It's it's kind of about what the players believe, and if they're on board with it, then uh, who's to sell? Who's to tell them they're wrong? That's the uh, the old George Costanza. It's not a lie if you really believe that's it. One hundred percent. It. Yep. Uh, okay, so you're not too worried about Tampa. Should we be collectively worried about Winnipeg? Uh, Sean, let, yeah. let's draw the line back to the third week of January. So since the 23rd of January, Winnipeg has won five out of 17 games. The only t- They're 30th in the NHL in points basically over the last six weeks. The only team that has collected fewer points than Winnipeg are the St. Louis Blues. So they have completely fallen off a cliff. They lose again this week a couple of times. Uh that lead is down to four points over Calgary. Should be. I. I feel like six weeks ago we were like, "Hey, Winnipeg's a legit Stanley Cup contender." Mm-hmm. Now we're wondering if they're even going to make the playoffs. Yeah, at the very least, they for a long time looked like they were right there in the mix in the Central, um, uh, right there with with Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, and and you know, I mean, they're they're a point back of Colorado right now, just in in terms of pure points. So I, we don't want to make it sound like they're they're plummeting out of the race, but. Yeah, no, I I would be worried um, because, you know, everything I just said about Tampa, they've done it before. They have a long history of being an elite team. You know, we don't see that with Winnipeg. And and Winnipeg was a a very nice, you know, surprise at the the first half of this year that they were doing well. I don't think it was shocking. We we well know there's talent on this team, Um, but it was was a bit of a concern. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the question becomes... Uh, you know, how secure is that playoff spot? And then also, you know, how do you feel about going into the playoffs? Because it, look, there's only two other teams in the running in, in the West. This isn't like the East where there's five teams chasing that wild card and you lose two games in a row. You've just, you look in your rearview mirror and, and everybody's catching up to you. Um, they've got Calgary and Nashville chasing them. Calgary didn't do anything to get better at the deadline. Nashville got worse uh, or at least, you know, was, was, was a seller. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a better situation for Winnipeg as far as still getting into the playoffs as a wild card. But up until a few weeks ago, that's not what we were talking about with this team. You were looking at it going, these guys can win a round. These guys can maybe win a few rounds. And then, hey, once you've done that, who knows? I got Connor Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the league. You know, this, this could be the year for these guys. And now it, it suddenly starts feeling like getting in as a wild card and being a big underdog in the first round feels like, the ceiling and there's time to turn it around but i'm i'm certainly much more worried about winnipeg than i than i would be about tampa and winnipeg's next four games florida tampa carolina boston so we might know a lot about the winnipeg jets somebody uh, somebody got out there and gets speared in the pills that's uh, you, you, you know the assignment winnipeg looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for a little segment we like to call Granger Things uh, with Jesse Granger, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with The Athletic. And Jesse, I uh, want to talk to you a little bit about the Golden Knights goaltending situation off of last week's conversation with Jonathan Quick. But before we get to Jonathan Quick, 
How about Freddie Brathwaite? 50 years old, 5-0, 50-year-old Fred Brathwaite uh, dresses for the Knights uh, AHL affiliate on Thursday night, right? Or sorry, Wednesday night to be the emergency kind of, he's ready to go. What a remarkable story. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I've talked to Fred a couple times since he uh, came over to help coach the Silver Knights and he is such a nice guy, always in a good mood. Um, 50 years old and five foot seven. Um, and he is strapping the pads on. I remember talking to him at the beginning of the season. Um, I think it was Vaughn. One of the fad, the pad companies had sent him like brand new set with all the silver Knights color so he could wear it in practice. And I remember talking to him about it and he's like, yeah, I hope that'll need him. Um, he did need him, uh, last night. It just shows you how wild this golden Knights goalie injury situation is. Uh, we'll get to quick later, but Looks like he's the number one guy now because the Golden Knights are now down to their fifth goalie, fifth goalie. Um, And that basically what it looks like is it forced them to call up Yuri Patera, who is their sixth goalie um, from the AHL last night. And that was kind of a last minute thing because the teams in the Golden Knights are in Florida. Um, Aiden Hill suffered a lower body injury against Tampa Bay the other night, and they or sorry, against Florida the other night. And now they play Tampa Bay today. And it looks like Jonathan Quick is getting elevated to the starters role. And um, they needed someone to back him up. So they had to fly Yuri Patera out at the very last minute. Um, and that left, obviously, this the AHL team, they're not going to fly, emergency fly in an ECHL goalie to, to fill Patera's spot. So Fred Brathwaite just happened to be on the trip and got the call. Um, luckily, I, I guess luckily he didn't have to play last night, but uh, he was ready if they needed him. Yeah, I want to this, this luckily put put me in the in the mindset of a goaltender because I, you know, Ian and I, we have normal functioning brains. We, we don't have the goaltender <laughs> brain. But in the emergency backup world, are you sitting on the bench going, let me in, give me a shot? Get me in there somehow, or are you just praying to the hockey gods? Like, please don't put me in there. I know you don't. You're never going to root for an injury, but are you sitting there going like, right. get me, get me onto that ice so I can show my stuff, or are you just sitting there going, please, 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 don't put me out there? I think for most emergency goalies, like which is somebody who hasn't played in the NHL, you're 100. You want to play, like, you, okay. like, like you said, you're not rooting for an injury, but it would be the coolest thing of your entire life if you mm-hmm. were to get to play in this game. Whereas Fred, I mean, he played in the NHL, like he played for the Flames, he played for the Blue Jackets, he played for the Thrashers. He's 50 years old. I think he's experienced it. I think he was probably hoping that he didn't have to go in. Um, <laughs> It would have been a fun story if he had gone in, but yeah, I think I think for him it's a little different situation than most emergency goalies who haven't experienced that, and like for them, that's the coolest thing they'll ever do. So last week we had the conversation of uh, Jonathan Quick. Could he end up with the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights? And sure enough, what two hours after we had the conversation, he ends up in Vegas. Uh, I mean, what? what, what? Early return, like early returns here on on Jonathan Quick. I he, I know he's only played the one game, right? But yeah, uh, is there a feeling like there's a little bit of stability now with him there, or how how are people feeling in Vegas about thirty uh, seven year old Jonathan Quick joining the fray? Yeah, I mean it means Fred Braithwaite ain't starting tonight, so <laughs> there's that. Um, that's basically all it does. I mean, he, so the Golden Knights, basically the position they were in was like, obviously Robin Leonard misses the whole season with hip surgery. So now you're on to your, your second goalie. Loren Brassois also has off-season hip surgery. So you move to Logan Thompson. He played really well. Um, obviously went to the All-Star game. He won a, a ton of games for this team. He goes down. They were at a spot where they were down to Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson. And Aiden Hill hasn't been able to stay healthy for most of his career. If you look at last year in San Jose, he was hurt constantly. The year before that in in Arizona, he was he he rarely played more than I think 10 games. And he and he was just coming off of an injury himself. So you're the team and you're looking at the schedule and they've got a really brutal schedule in March where they basically play every other night. They don't have two days off the entire month. So they're saying, okay, are we really going to play Aiden Hill, who has had injury problems and is coming off an injury every other night for the entire month? We'd rather not do that. Let's go get somebody who we can bring in. And, and I think it was Bruce Cassidy who said, we can bring in and bring in quickly and just throw him in. Like, we're, we're not worried. This isn't some AHL guy. We're, Jonathan Quick is that. 
He's a guy who's got more experience than pretty much any active goalie in the league. You can throw him in and know that you've got an NHL quality goalie. Having said that, Jonathan Quick's one of the worst goalies in the NHL for the last five years. He's one of the worst goalies statistically in the NHL this year. They've got a motivated guy. I mean, talking to him, he's very motivated. Um, They play the Kings on April 6th. I'm sure he's going to be motivated in that game. Having said that, I don't know what they can expect out of him. I think um, now that Aiden Hill went down, we don't know how serious that is. Hopefully for the Golden Knights and for Aiden, it's only a minor injury and he he can kind of get back out there pretty quickly. But if not... Looks like Jonathan Quick might be their starter for a, until Aiden Hill's back because I don't I think Logan Thompson's still a couple of weeks maybe a few weeks away from coming back and and Lorembe kind of the same thing so they may end up I don't think the plan was to play Jonathan Quick very much um, it was more of just a backup like let's just get him in here just in case of emergency but it looks like they may be having that emergency so we may see more of Jonathan Quick than they initially thought. Um, Initial returns, we saw him play the one game. Honestly, he looked like he always has. Um, he's he's a wild man. He's super low in his stance. He's he's crouched. He's diving all over the place. He gets himself out of position, and that's why he was so great when he was when he was at his peak and why he was stealing games and those playoff runs were just the most fun goaltending you ever see because he 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 gets himself out of position and then he makes spectacular saves. And now as he's gotten older it's harder to make those saves. And um, it, we saw that just in his first game in Vegas. He made a couple really nice saves, but he also, he's very active. I mean, he I, I can't think of a goalie that moves around more than more than he does. Um, I don't know how effective that can be in the long term for a 37-year-old guy, but we'll see. Um, it would be really cool if he does make a run. And I mean, the Golden Knights and Kings look like they're heading for each other in the playoffs. So if Quick was in the net, that would be cool. uh, must-watch TV. Man, that could be so fun. And it's interesting to hear you like talk a little bit about the thought process behind it. Because I'll, I'll be honest, it, we've we've heard Jonathan Quick's name in trade rumors for years now, uh, where it was clear that the Kings were, you know, maybe looking to upgrade and usually goalie coming in means a goalie going out. And I always thought, man, some team is going to talk themselves into this guy. 870 save percentage be damned. They're going to look at him and go, he's got two cup rings. He did it a decade ago. He's a winner. He's going to come in and he's going to just magically be the old Jonathan Quick. And, uh, you know, even though all the numbers tell us he's nowhere near that, it it doesn't sound like the Golden Knights really fell in love with that. It sounds more like we just need a guy. And, you know, Michael Hutchinson, nice veteran guy, but he's he's played a couple of games total the last few years. Uh, We just need a guy who can come in. Certainly didn't cost him anything. Um, So it's it's a little bit less of the whole. Um, magical 200 hockey men thinking of, you know, that th- he's going to, this guy's going to do the thing he did 10 years ago because he's, he's just got that mindset. That's a hundred percent what it was. Um, the, the, the feeling I got, like just talking to Bruce Cassidy was basically, they felt like they upgraded over Michael Hutchinson for, for their fourth goalie. Um, and, and, and he said, look, he's going to get, we, like I asked Bruce what the conversations were with Jonathan quick when they first traded for him. And he basically said, I told him, you're guaranteed to get an opportunity while these guys are hurt, and you're going to get a chance to to show your stuff. And after that, when they come back, nothing's guaranteed. And it sounds like he thinks the top two goalies on this team are Aiden Hill and and Logan Thompson. Um, maybe Loren Bressois, he was playing really well before his injury. It's going to depend on what that injury was. But there's a an outside chance Jonathan Quick can play his way into the top two, but it that's not the expectation for the Golden Knights. This was purely an insurance policy. We don't want to get stuck with Michael Hutchinson as our starting goalie for a month, um, which Aiden Hill going down this couple days ago, that's exactly what would have happened if they hadn't made this trade. So um, I think it's worth a fifth round pick. Can I just well, ask you one more goalie question? Because as you're yes. listing all those guys, I'm thinking, well, yeah, what happens when they come back? And then you've still got Jonathan Quick around. We always hear like, you can't have three goalies. You can't have three goalies on the roster because practice gets. What's what's the issue? Why why can why can we have extra forwards and defensemen, but like a goalie has to sit off to the side and it's some sort of crisis? Well, it's it's doable. It's like it, I don't think it's it's a crisis, and I and I agree with you. Sometimes it is like they make it a bigger deal than it is. I mean, the difference is with a forward or a defenseman, you're running drills. An extra guy just means there's one more person at the end of that line that's running the drill, whereas the goalies. They can only, there are only two nets on the rink. You can't have a third net. It just, 
it it does mess up practice and it makes one of the goalies have to sit on the side and do nothing. And actually Hutchinson was doing that for a little while. Like the Golden Knights had called him up and they still had two healthy goalies and he was just kind of hanging out in the by the by the like where the referees circle is over by the penalty boxes. Just kind of hanging out, doing some skating drills. You're not facing pucks. And then eventually one of the goalies will like, oh, I'm tired for five minutes. Let me go get a drink. And you'll like run over to the net. And yes, I get five shots. And then you're back over in the corner. So it, it's not impossible. Though. I mean, in, in you see it in training camp all the time. In training camps, teams have five goalies out there and they find a way to rotate them in and out. But you usually have two goalies that you, <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, that you care about, that you want to get work. And then there's usually a third guy who, well, you'll get shots if if you find a way to sneak in there. So I don't know what they're going to do if, if they end up with all these goalies healthy at the same time. Um, because the trade deadline has passed, they don't have the 23-man roster limit anymore, so you, that's not an issue. It's As long as you can fit them under the cap, you can keep as many as you want up in the NHL. I am honestly am not sure. I mean, that's a bridge they'll cross when they get there. Who knows when these guys are going to all be healthy, um, but I'm I'm curious to see what they do when that happens. Well, I'll tell you, Ottawa would be pining for one of them because Cam Talbot is out now for three weeks. Anton Forsberg is out for the season. And they're hanging their very slim playoff hopes on a couple of kids and Mad Sogard uh, and, and Kevin Mandelazy. So, yeah. That's you, you never, never worked for Ottawa before. No, crazy goalie run <laughs> yeah. with inexperienced goalies. Can't see it. Hey, speaking of Ottawa, let's wrap this up, Jesse, with uh, Thursday night. We've got the Islanders. We've got the Penguins going head-to-head. They're... Uh, both holding down the last two wildcard spots in the Eastern Conference. The teams below them are praying, for the love of God, not a three-point game. Please, not a three-point game. I got bad for news Pittsburgh for you guys. And the Islanders, yeah. It's <laughs> got to be a three-point game. Yeah. I j- all we do in this segment is we will things into existence, like Jonathan yeah. Quick to Vegas, and now a three-point mm-hmm. game. Uh, are those teams behind them? You've got Florida. You've got Buffalo. You've got Ottawa. Hey, Washington's still kind of hanging around. Detroit a little less so, but they're they're, they're in the mix. Um, boy, do any of them really have a shot to catch those two teams, Jesse? Yeah, I. So I think Florida. If I were to, t- if I'm betting, if I'm betting, man, I'm probably taking Florida. I mean, they've won a couple in a row. I watched them just the other night against the Golden Knights. They looked pretty good. Um, they seem to be finding it a little bit. They're not the elite team that we all expected them to be, um, but they seem to be finding it a little bit. But for the sake of fun, please let Ottawa or Buffalo get into this. We were, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday on Wednesday's show. Do we really, like, okay, the, the East is so stacked at the top. Carolina, New Jersey, Boston, Toronto, Tampa. No, no None of these teams we're talking about <laughs> here at the bottom are going to beat any of those teams. Like, it's not going to happen. So let's just have some fun, right? Like, do we really need Boston to beat up on Pittsburgh or the Islanders? We already, like, we've seen that story a million times. Let one of these fun teams, Ottawa or Buffalo, into the playoff. I, I am rooting for it so hard. I, like, there's nothing in the NHL I have a stronger rooting interest for than getting one of these new teams into the East just for the fun of it. Let's see Tage Thompson on the playoff stage. Like, we know they're not going to beat the Sabres or Carolina or whoever they end up playing, but... It would just be so much more like it's it's a Wednesday. The playoffs are on. Which game am I turning on? I'd rather watch the Buffalo Sabres than the New York Islanders as much as I like Ilya Sorokin. Um, who do you guys think has the best chance and who do you want to sneak in there? I'm with you, man. I I'd, I, I mean, I was banging the Sabres uh, uh, bandwagon drum a while ago. In fact, their fans have asked me to stop because it, typically as soon as I do that, <laughs> uh, everything goes bad for a team. But yeah, either one of those teams. And look, I mean, you can sit there and say, we know they're not going to beat anyone. Every Bruins fan knows there would be no more <laughs> NHL ending to this season than the Bruins finish with 125 points, go into the playoffs and like get shut out by Craig Anderson in game one. <laughs> and then everyone goes, oh, here we go. You know, some some goalie. They're... The, the the Bruins getting goalied, and I'm not talking by like Sorokin or someone. I'm talking some guy you've never heard of, uh, just, just standing on his head is absolutely yeah. uh, in play. But yeah, no, I'm 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 all for it, and I I know it's almost become a cliche. These these fan bases are probably sick of hearing about, but let's at least get the Senators and Sabers playing games that matter down the stretch. Let me see some April hockey with these yeah. teams. Uh, even if it doesn't end in a in a playoff spot, let's uh, you know let's have some of that playoff atmosphere. We kind of got it a little bit in Ottawa um, with the two Detroit games, but uh, we we could certainly go further with it. And uh, uh, they've got some games against each other down the stretch too. Let's uh, I'm I'm with you, man. Let's let's have some fun. 
Yeah, I, like who who doesn't want to see Buffalo? I mean, the longest drought going in the league right now, having made the playoffs since 2011. Uh, you, you, you'd have to be heartless to not to not want to see Buffalo have some success there. So, I'm with you. But like realistically speaking, though, Jesse, do the Sabers have? Uh, do they have a chance? I so I think they do. I think those teams below. I think the fact that the Islanders have played three more games than like everyone makes it seem like it's further out of reach than it really is. Like if, if, if you, if Buffalo were to win two of those three games, they're two points out. If they were to win all three, they're tied with them. So I think you look at the standings and it's like, Oh, there are 68 points. Okay. The cutoffs at 73, 74. That's quite a bit. I mean, the way with the loser point in hockey, it keeps all these teams relevant longer and that's what they want they want the fan base it's like an optical illusion that these teams are actually in it but what it also does is it makes it impossible to make points up yep Um, i remember like covering the golden knights last year they were in a position where they were chasing points trying to come back to get into the playoffs and it felt like they could win five in a row and they'd gain one point in the standings because teams are just they teams are picking up loser points all season long it's it makes it so much more difficult to climb the standings so when you see okay Islanders are 74, 68. That's six points. That's a lot to make up in a month, month and a half. But the fact that they've played those three extra games, I think I think the standings are are closer than they look when you just look at the points. So, yes, I do think that – I think Buffalo has a chance. Um, I think Florida, like I said, I actually think Florida is, should be the favorite to get that final wild card spot over the Islanders right now. Yeah, you could, you could definitely make that case. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Dom's projections, and he's got – He's got Pittsburgh still relatively comfortable, 80%. And then he's got the yeah the Islanders, 59. The Panthers, 49. That doesn't add up to 100, obviously, because there's uh, uh, the chance that the Penguins don't make it. And there's two spots. Um, right. And then he's not, you know, he's got Washington, Ottawa, Buffalo all down in single digits. And, and even oh, Detroit, wow. you know, Detroit's yeah. just barely hanging on. Although, you know, that win last night did, did keep him alive. Um but uh, it's some of the other, you know, you look at Money Puck, they've got the Senators a bit higher. So, but you're, you're absolutely right. The, the thing that's interesting about the East is it's so many teams going for one or two spots as, a, as compared to the West where it's, you know, it, whether you count Nashville or not, it's either two or three teams, one spot. Hey, you've got two paths to the playoffs. If you're the Calgary Flames, you can say, okay, either we go on a real run. We, we, just, we just rack up wins or maybe one of the teams we're chasing plummets. You know, like the Winnipeg Jets we talked about earlier, and we catch up yeah. to them that way. In the East, that second door is not open to you. There's no you. You can't back your way in in the East. You can't play 600 hockey and make it in in the East. You've got to be the team that hits the gas this last few weeks. Um, and you're right. I mean, you you can you have a two game losing streak in regulation, and suddenly everyone else has gained three points on you because of these stupid loser points that doesn't actually make the playoff race any closer. Uh, in fact, in a lot of cases, does the opposite. But like you said, it, it does give you the illusion of progress um, as long as you don't look at what all those other teams are doing. All right. Hey, Jesse, we'll leave it there. A lot of fun uh, talking about the Eastern race, uh, the Golden Knights goalie situation. Thanks for this, my friend, and uh, we'll get you again next Thursday. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Always great to connect with Jesse Granger for Little Granger Things. All right. And uh, let's get to the voicemails and, or voicemail and emails. You can... Reach us again if you want to weigh in on anything we've talked about, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Love getting your emails. We also love your voicemails and hearing from your voice at 845-445-8459. Let's hear from Tim in Pittsburgh who's got a question about roster composition. I really love your show and uh, thought you guys might know the answer to this question. I've noticed that the Rangers only have four Canadian players on their roster right now, and I'm wondering what the fewest number of Canadians on an NHL roster is in history. I'm guessing this is the fewest the Rangers have ever had, and it might be the fewest anyone has ever had. Thanks, guys. All right. So, Sean, do we have an answer for Tim in Pittsburgh? What team has had the fewest number of Canadian players, uh, or Canadian-born players, I guess, on its roster ever? Do we know? I, that, no, I, I don't have a firm answer on this. Um, and there's sort of two questions, right? There's how, how many did you have on the roster, and how many did you have in the lineup on a given night? I, I can't imagine that uh, the Rangers are are setting the record, because it's, it's not that rare lately for teams to get certainly down to single digits and even... Um, even around into this range, and then 
Um, even if you got five or six guys, you know, somebody misses a game with injury, that sort of thing. I, I don't think it would be that unusual. But the one thing I did find, uh, as I was kind of digging around and just looking into some of the lists for this year, um, what's interesting is the Rangers uh, certainly are, are way down there now. One other team that's way down on the list of uh, Canadian players, and this is this is one I wouldn't have thought of, but the Boston Bruins are are do not have a lot of Canadian players, and that's surprising because when you think of the Bruins, right, you think of Bergeron, you think of Marchand, Marchand. Right? the two yep. of their you know best players, uh, you know, Can- Team Canada um, regulars, but they don't really have uh, very many other players. There's only a couple more, and and what was interesting to me about that when I heard this. Uh, this this voicemail come in. the The Bruins and the Rangers played each other just a few nights ago. Uh, yeah, and I'm really yeah. wondering. Yeah, I'm really wondering. I looked at it. I think, I think the Rangers had three Canadians in the lineup that night, and I think the Bruins had maybe five. I wonder if that would set a record for the for fewest, fewest Canadians yes. in an NHL game. And I I don't know off the top of my head how to find that exact information. Um, but uh, I, I really wonder about that because, uh, you know, for, for 40 guys, right, we're counting the goalies even here, 40 guys uh, to be to be dressed on a given night and only, you know, eight or whatever it is to be Canadian. Uh, if that's not the lowest, uh, it's it's got to be pretty close. Jason in Winnipeg uh, writes in via email, the Boston Bruins just won their 10th game in a row. Feels like nobody's talking about it. 10 game win streaks. Feel pretty rare to me as a Winnipeg Jets fan. I know uh, the Jets 2.0 version have never won 10 in a row. My question is, how many teams and franchises have never had a 10-game winning streak in their existence? I don't know if there's a way to look this up, but I do know if there's a way. Down goes Brown. We'll find it. That comes in from Jason in Winnipeg. Uh, and, and it wasn't me who found it. because I Yes, I, yes. I took great offense to that from Jason Winnipeg. Saying, uh-huh. I can look this up. So now let's have a little game here. Okay, uh, there are uh, seven teams in NHL history, seven like current teams uh, that have never had a ten-game winning streak. Okay, wow. a couple of them you could probably well, so well, Winnipeg is one. Jason mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of others that might be you know we won't drag this out too long, but look, Seattle uh, they did have sure. an eight-game winning streak. I'll give them credit for that. Uh, Eight-game winning streak this season, so they came awfully close. One of the first teams um, that I was about to say Columbus, but didn't they have some wild, yeah, like, 16-game streak at some point? they two in their franchise Yikes. history. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll t- listen, let, let me give you the teams that haven't, and I'm going to save the last two that I'm shocked by. Okay? Okay. So Arizona, they've never had a 10-game winning streak, and that includes the original Jets, but maybe, okay, not that huge of a deal, but they did get to a nine-game winning streak at one point. Um as I mentioned, Seattle, Winnipeg, uh, Dallas, interestingly, has never had a 10-game win streak. And their longest is only seven games, which is yeah. pretty interesting. And does that so go back to the been, North Stars uh, yeah, days? Yeah, even with the wow. North Stars. They've okay. never had won eight games in a row. Hmm. Uh, Los Angeles only got to nine. Okay? okay. That's but surprising. here's the really weird two. Okay? One is Edmonton, which... You would have figured I'm in the shocked. 80s, wouldn't I'm those guys absolutely just shocked by Edmonton? Yeah. yeah that's never, uh, wow. Multiple okay. nine game winning streaks. I mean, I guess 10. I guess the the thing we should point out is, you know, when Edmonton was really dominant, there were ties. So uh, you know, you didn't True. you didn't have that shootout to to tip you over. But still, that is uh, that is pretty shocking to me. Okay. And the other one, now now for a little bit of context, the Bruins uh have the record. They've had I believe they this was their ninth. Uh, 10 game winning streak in franchise history. Okay. okay. So nine different times they've won 10 games in a row. How about this one? Detroit has never won 10 games in a row. Wow. Wow. So an original the 16. Red Wings. Yes. That was very, very good for uh, a lot of years, including in the shootout era. Um, in the 50s, the, in the 90s, yeah. in, the, in the 2000s. They've won nine games in a row, seven uh-huh. different times. Couldn't get it to 10. Wow, that's uh, that's that's really something. Yep, I would. Uh, there, there's no way I would have gone with that. I'm. That's uh, that's that's really remarkable. I was thinking. Yeah. I, I mean, as soon as you said this, I was thinking the Leafs, but I do remember the Leafs had the, the Leafs started a season. They 10 and opened a season. Yep. With and 10 I, in a is row. that the only one for them? You may yep, not have that's that the only one in their franchise history. Okay. Yeah, that 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 is less surprising to me than Detroit never having one. That's uh, that's really something else.
Yeah, that's what I thought too. I was really shocked. Okay, Stephen Michigan says, a friend and I were talking recently, came up with a question for you guys. Has a goalie ever had a Gordie Howe hat trick? Um, and my follow-up would be, if you had to pick a current goalie who might get a Gordie Howe hattie, who would it be? I would go with Jordan Binnington. That comes in from Stephen Michigan. That's probably a pretty good pick. Uh, yeah, you, well, you need someone's a little did, ill. Binnington would have to actually fight and not just look like he wanted to fight. But uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I know I'm 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 sure that no goalie has ever done it. In fact, it would be wow. it would be extraordinarily difficult for a goalie to have I've, a Gordie Howe hat trick because these days, virtually all cases, if you if you fight as a goalie, you get tossed out of the game. Um, you uh, because you've left your crease, you've been an additional altercation in off of the original, and they they tend to kick you out. Not not all the time. Patrick Waugh famously got stitched up after the Vernon fight and uh, got to stay in. But according to the strict letter of the rules, you've uh, you're supposed to uh, um, you're supposed to uh, make sure that uh, that goalie gets kicked out. So it would almost have to be like get the assist at some point, get the goal late in the game, which is, uh, you know, you, you, you don't usually see a goalie shoot and score unless it's late, like we uh, like we saw last week, and then get a fight after it. Boy, that would be tough. Jordan Biddington wouldn't be a bad pick. Um, I, I think I think maybe the ship sailed on this when we lost Mike Smith because he would have been the guy. Uh, he, he was oh the most accurate, accurate shooter I've ever seen as a goalie. Great puck handler and a ill-tempered. And ill-tempered, a bit of a you know, and, you know, we saw him have the <laughs> fight uh, in in the in the Battle of Alberta. Um, Hextel never did it. Obviously, Hextel would have been the prototype for for this sort of thing. Who else would? Well, the the okay. other guy who jumps to mind right now is um, well, I'll give you two guys, uh, two guys from the same team. Actually, he's he's not active this year, but Robin Leonard has always been, yeah, uh, you know, a bit of a hothead, and and you know, the guy who occasionally will throw the puck around and. Jonathan Quick, always been a good puck handler, um, and uh, you know never had that, never got the goal, but uh, yeah, he's he's going through it right now. You could see him maybe maybe against the Kings, yeah, right? You know, just, for sure, yeah, for get, sure. Uh, get down there, go see uh, see what this Corpus Allo kid that you got traded for. I don't know. Uh, there's there maybe could be something there, but uh, boy, yeah, I don't. Uh, I think it's it, it's an extreme long shot. Let's just say if, if Ron Hextel and Billy Smith never pulled it off, uh, I don't know what hope the modern era has. Okay. So let me, uh, again, I've done a little bit more uh, research on this one. Uh, the only goalie to ever be credited with a goal and even get a penalty in the same game, modern yeah. day goalie, Chris Osgood. Chris Osgood right. scored a goal and mm-hmm. got a two-minute minor for slashing in the same game. So that's the only time uh, that you've even seen a penalty. And no modern day goalie has ever recorded an assist in the same game in which he scored a goal. Selfish. Typical goaltender. Typical. Always. So that, that helps. Hey, do you know who holds never, the, the, the record? You, I think you know this. Most mm-hmm. assists ever in a game by a goalie? Of course, yes. Jeff Reese, three, yes. Goal, three against the uh, Sharks, right? That was that crazy 13-1 like like Sharks game. Yep. 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 Yeah. Three assists in a single game. Uh, that's, that's a record that will stand for... A long, long time, I think. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up like we always do with a little This Week in Hockey History. We're going to take you back to, um, you know, and I I don't think enough hockey fans, like younger hockey fans or just newer hockey fans, know this story, and it's really, really remarkable to me. Uh, We're going to take our our listeners back to March uh, 8th of 1937, uh, where Howie Morenz, who really, Sean, really, the the best way to kind of describe this is like Howie Morenz was like the Babe Ruth of hockey, right? Like the the Mm -hmm. first megastar. Big star. Uh, March 8th, 1937, Howie Morenz, superstar player of the Montreal Canadiens, dies from complications from an injury he sustained on the ice. He actually broke his leg in a game uh, against Chicago at the end of January. He was hospitalized. They're like, hey, you're probably never going to play again. Well, not only did he never play again, six weeks later he died because there was basically uh, an infection, blood clot, uh, that materialized, he dies, and they he was such a big star, they held his uh, funeral basically uh, at Center Rice at the Forum. And, and I think they, they mm-hmm. said they estimated almost 200,000 people, a quarter of a million people, lined the streets of Montreal to kind of watch the funeral procession. Uh, procession. One, one of the most unbelievable stories, and like I think some people might know, like you, you hear the Bill Masterton Trophy yeah. awarded to, you know, for that. 
I don't think enough people know Howie Moran's. And a lot of fans are under the impression that Masterton's the only, in fact, you'll even see it sometimes, that Masterton's the only player to die. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes they'll say directly as a result, because in, in uh, Moran's case, it was it, it was like something after the fact, but it was caused by that original injury. And boy, you talk about the difference in, um, you know, medical treatments and, and how players are treated. I mean, imagine a broken leg being fatal is, uh, is yeah. you know, for, for a guy who is a legit superstar. Um, is uh, is stunning, but it was a, a very different time back then. All right, uh, we'll leave it there. And I uh, want to remind anybody, if you got thoughts, comments on anything we touched, uh, touched on today, uh, the trade stuff, whether or not we've gone too far as hockey fans and media, Jonathan Quick, and bobblehead ideas, all the fun stuff we hit on as well, uh, hit us up. The email address, it's the Athletic Hockey Show, gmail.com, or the voicemail is 845-445. 84.59 right now you can get a one-year subscription to the athletic for just two dollars a month when you visit athletic.com slash hockey show